yum nub. You chop the yum nub. I told me to be chicken. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and science doesn't take sides. Is that it? <laughs> and I'm Jamie, and are we not still friends? How you been? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was looking for a science quote, uh, and I was looking for a good critic quote, and that's a quote. My quote was from Catalyst. Ah, That's what well. I was furiously looking for it before we started recording. <laughs> And mine was from row one. Good. So we're both we're both right there. Um, before we get too into it, um, we're about to finish up Bad Batch, but tonight we're talking about season two, episode fifteen, the summit, which is the second to last episode, um, which is why we both picked quotes from Rogue One, I guess. Um, Rogue One era. Um, before we get started, did you uh, do any Star Wars this week? Oh yeah. So I've been playing uh, Jedi Survivor uh, when I can. I think I'm actually f- I don't know fairly. I'm not sure how far I am. It it on each of the planets it tells you like how much you've completed because there's tons of side quests and stuff. So it's like I'm over like 50% on each of them now. So I don't, I don't know, but um, it's been, it's been really fun. It's a, it's a great, great game. I'm, I'm super happy with it. Um, I'm finally starting to like, only near the end am I finally starting to not just like smash my way through everything, but try to actually like do what they, you know, want you to do, like deflect blows. Um, so like every time you just deflect instead of just like. Because you bought it for your your son, right? Yeah, we got it for the new Xbox, but no one's played it yet. Yeah. Um, we just downloaded it, I think, two days ago at this point, and sort of turned it on to make sure it works and everything, but we haven't dove into it. Yeah, there's so... Still, ba- there's still playing Zelda. Yeah, so basically there's a button that you can block with your lightsaber. And enemies will attack you and you'll block it, but it's much better if you wait to the last possible second, then block that takes down their stamina and if their stamina goes down it's much easier to hit them and hurt them but i just prefer just the smash method where i just keep on smashing uh people and not that's why i'm really bad at like fighting games because i I don't want to have to learn the exact combos to do the um whatever kick whatever kicks or or fancy things um but yeah i've i really enjoy that game and um, I also just finished Catalyst, which is the latest um, um, High Republic prequel era novel. And that's a really good one. So anybody listening, if you are a fan of the books, especially the audiobooks, uh, get that one. It is fantastic. You said Catalyst. I think it meant Cataclysm, but <laughs> uh, it duh. I think you're, yeah, Cataclysm. Yeah. So uh, you probably got confused. I, I mentioned Catalyst, but. Um, I'm I'm almost all the way. I don't know. Let me check. I think I'm about two thirds of the way through the book. No, I'm further than that. Um, so I'll probably finish Cataclysm the next day or so. Um, I haven't done a whole lot. I watched Phantom Menace the other day because I just wanted to. Um, and I've been watching Willow lately. So I'm afraid Disney's going to remove it from their platform for unknown reasons. So I'm trying to squeeze in Willow. Willow and the Ring of Power series were two things that are on my to-do list, and I haven't done either. And since Disney's threatening Willow, I decided I would do that. Yeah, how far along are you in it? Because I, I, I saw that you had tweeted, and you said that it was really good. Yeah, I'm I'm in halfway through the third episode right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, I was just like, oh, oh, it's this kind of show. Okay. Um, it was. It was good overall. It was good overall, but it could have been much better. Um, I, I I enjoyed it, and I I wish that they would continue on it, but but maybe like, um, I don't. Know, it just seems like one of those shows that could have really gotten gotten really good if it had a chance to get like a second, third season, to where like 
they can actually like explore some ideas and not just all of a sudden like this character is now a wizard or whatever just like just like uh, smash a bunch of stuff in there all at once do you know what I mean yeah it's I'm enjoying it so far I understand how people have criticized it a little bit um, for plot and expediency of plot um, so far so good as far as I'm concerned I never thought I'd get more Willow right so I went back when they announced it I went back and I rewatched the movie and I was like oh right I really do like this movie yeah and so, this is like say this is like the uh almost like maybe not second episode in a row or at least the second episode in in a few that we've mentioned willow yeah yeah <laughs> this is I, becoming now willow cast willow's yeah. come i going back through the old catalog we talk about willow a surprising amount <laughs> well well it's a integral part of my life growing up yeah but it's what i wasn't expecting from it was um how comedic it's been like straight up jokes and I was like, oh, so it's going to be very lighthearted. And then they like end up fighting like a witch or some demon spawn. And so sometimes that sometimes when the things are totally inconsistent, it snaps me out of it. But so far, so good for Willow. I'm I'm still watching it and enjoying it. So yeah, there I don't know. there was parts for me that was just kind of like, oh boy. Um, and maybe that's just me being old and <laughs> out of touch. Uh, my son really enjoyed it, but um, yeah, it is what it is on there, right? That's yeah. all you can say. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any complaints so far, but maybe I'll get to a thing where I think is weird or unearned or pointless. But so far, like I said, so far so good for me. Other than that, we downloaded Jedi Survivor, but the kids are still playing Zelda, so it's and they'll be out of school in like a week-ish. And then they'll have nothing to do. And so I'm sure they'll burn through um, Jedi Survivor. Yeah, I, I let my daughter um, decide. They, she uh, she lost video games, so like she was trying to like weasel her way into playing video games by sitting next to me and talking to me about about uh, Jedi Survivor. And like like and I was just telling her like, oh, like these con- these containers, you can get like uh outfits and like haircuts and stuff like and she's like oh can you show me i was like oh i could do this for you i'm like no but uh <laughs> i i had uh i had her choose out like my cal Kestis look so he's got he's got a mullet he's, he, uh, he's got a mustache and he looks like uh, he looks like he uh he's got like han solo pants and like he just looks like he belongs in like a like like asia um, singing the heat of the moment or like uh, sticks or something like that you know just a in, like an 80s uh, wuss rock metal band. not wuss rock metal band but just a wuss rock band yeah you got it's, it it's pretty cool and like his um, his his mullet will flap when you jump and um, I, I sent you the screenshot of like um, if you if you do like a jump kick while you have the mullet you get an achievement on Xbox called Roadhouse Ugh. <laughs> Which is specifically you did a you did a jump kick while wearing a mullet. <laughs> People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse, and we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, forty-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. All right, add Roadhouse to the list of movies we'll review, and we have a Patreon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I won't watch it. it. I won't watch it unless I'm paid to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't either. It's a, it's one of those movies. It's just like, oh, okay, all right, sure, why not? The solution is kicking all along. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie in forty years, so I'm sure it's great. Sorry, '80s children who loved Roadhouse and think better choice is great. Yeah, it's a. It sits right up there with uh, Cobra, uh, as far as just like very '80s uh, movie. That's just like ass kicking for the sake of ass kicking. And oh, then shit, there was a sequel. Was there? In Twenty during two thousand six, Roadhouse two. Gross. Didn't wait long enough for that one. Yeah, well, there's a lot of good movies that uh, will get uh, 
um, they'll they'll get um, sequels that are, and they're just the sequels are completely unnecessary. Like if you ever saw the movie Jarhead, that movie didn't need a sequel because the, the movie was just an adaptation about a guy's experience in um, Desert Storm. Um, and if have you ever seen Green Street Hooligans? I have not. Oh, that's a good movie. You should see it. Uh, it's got Elijah Wood and uh, Charlie Hunnam from um, uh, from Sons of Anarchy, and maybe one or other two people that are like you'd probably recognize them. It's about like soccer hooligans. Uh, it was a really good movie, but then they made another one. It's just like why? Right. I think I think it's just more like somebody got the rights to it and it's like oh this movie was kind of popular so we're just going to totally destroy um whatever that movie was (laughs) like whatever goodwill people had earned through making that movie and uh and just just completely wreck it so roadhouse 2 yeah i guess we could do that in like on our patreon if if coming soon if we ever get around to doing a Patreon, we can do Roadhouse yeah. 2 on Patreon. Get get paid in dick pills or something. Yeah. Um, I don't have much else from a Star Wars point of view right now. I've just been sort of coasting. I did, I did this whole... I tried to do this whole Resistance thing on our Twitter feed where I tweeted hundreds of times about Star Wars Resistance. Um, and I was playing with a automated tweet deck thing. Um, that was sort of fun, but I didn't load up enough and ran out. But um, yeah, lots of love out there for I, Resistance. Got a and uh, got a celebrity uh, uh, celebrity uh, that actually like replied to yep. one of your tweets, right? Yep, Greg Props, Props, the uh, two-headed alien announcer from um, Episode One, replied to one of the tweets. So that was fun. Um, yeah, so so we're basically um, we're almost in now as far as Star Wars is concerned. So anybody else listening, Star Wars podcast, and you think you're going to get asked to a celebration and then be some random stormtrooper? Nah, we got great proofs. What do you got? Yeah, we gotta gotta keep it up. <laughs> gotta keep it up because we're a known entity now. Yes, and eventually Mark Hamill will respond to something and then he'll be able to say no retweets or no DMs. Be like, damn it. Okay. Um, we got. We probably have a lot to talk about this week's episode. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into it? No, no, no. Let's uh, let's get going. All right. So, like I said earlier, we're doing season two, episode fifteen, the summit. I want to mention a couple cast members up front. Um, the first one, before we get to the plot summary, is Andy De La Torre. Um, and he plays General Hurst Ramadi, which is a role he played in Rogue One. And if you don't know who Ramadi is in Rogue One, he's sort of the sniveling guy who goes up to Krennic at the end of the movie and says, um, we're ready to fire. Don't you mean he goes up to... um, Tarkin. Tarkin. Yeah, yeah. He goes up to Tarkin when they're over Scarab. Yeah. And he says, we're ready to fire. And Tarkin basically says, go ahead. And then they fire. Um, But Andy De La Torre... So he's playing the same character in this show as he does in Rogue One. But he's, he's an old actor that goes back to the 80s, mostly on British television. Not a whole lot that I recognize, and I watch a fair amount of British television. But he was in Notting Hill, which is the Julie Roberts movie. He played a character in Walking Dead, um, and has a few other more recent credits, like Oliver Twist and things. Some theater credits, but um, this is his only Star Wars credit to date. Um, Well, Ramadi's his only Star Wars credit to date. He plays him in Bad Batch and in Rogue One. Um, So... He's one. Do you have any comments about Andy or Hurst or Mahdi? No, no, I don't. It's nice that uh, they get a little consistency. That was pretty cool. Right. So what I didn't put in uh, here up front, but we can talk about briefly, is that Ben Mendelsohn is in this episode, too, for one line. Yeah. That'd be so awesome. Just to like, like get like a... <laughs> to get, um, to get uh, paid just for like... One line's like, like, oh, well, 
the, your, your AC unit is shot. And then all of a sudden your agent calls says like, yeah, Star Wars wants you to come in and just do one line for our animated series. And they're going to pay you X amount. And you're like, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, now I can get a new radiator for my car. <laughs> yeah, you thought, you thought you were going to have to eat it. So, so yeah, Mendelssohn's in this episode for one line. Um, but the other guest star that we should mention, we haven't mentioned before for some reason, is Andrew Cascino. And Andrew Cascino plays Saw. And a bunch of other characters on Star Wars. But um, for the purposes of today's episode, he plays Saw. He also played... So he played Saw throughout Bad Batch, Rebels, and Aftermath. Or, sorry, and um, Clone Wars. But he also played... Aftermath is the name of the episode in Bad Batch where he appears. Um, we also played characters in the first volume of Star Wars Visions, The Village Bride and The Ninth Jedi, um, in the English language versions, at least. Um, his career starts back in the mid-2000s where he did voiceover for video games, um, almost exclusively video games for a very long time. Um, he was in Reservoir Dogs video game, um, Amped 3, Ages Age of Empires 3. He was the announcer for on three episodes of America's Got Talent. That was not a video game, obviously. But then he started doing, like so many other people that we've talked about, started doing voiceover work for English language versions of anime, including Naruto. He did the voiceover work for Spider-Man 3, um, the video game. And then he started doing a lot more um, TV work. He was in the the, the LeBrons and um, G.I. Joe Renegades um, in the 2010s. Then he started doing Clone Wars stuff and a few other things, but this is primarily his Star Wars contribution as Saw. Um, he was not in anything in Visions um, Volume 2, but hopefully he continues his work in Star Wars. I really like his depiction of Saw. Yeah, it's great. All right, any questions or comments about Andrew? We have Andy and Andrew today. Hmm. Yeah, oh, that's weird. Okay, uh, yeah, I don't. So, um, all right, so let's get into the uh, get into the episode. So the show opens up on Pabu. It's uh, and it's night. Echo is doing some research on the Advanced Science Division, and Hunter is asking Tech about Dr. Hemlock. Echo tells them that Hemlock is going to a summit on Iriadu with Tarkin in two days. Echo says that they can pull a tracker on his shuttle and follow him back to where Crosshair is being held. So this is cool. Um, Iriadu is uh, Tarkin's homeworld. Um, you learn about it in the uh, the book Tarkin. And um, it's mentioned in a few other places. Um, one was like the High Republic. Um, I can't think of anywhere else. But... Um, it comes up in comics too a lot, um, but yeah, this is this is really his his world. Mm-hmm. It's like his his family's world. Like his family is like a royalty on this planet almost. Yeah. Okay. So then let's say they talk about where Crosshair is being held. Then uh, Hunter asks about reinforcements. Echo says Rex is on assignment, so it will be only them. Tech also makes the case for the mission, and Hunter agrees. Fee asks Omega where they're going. She tells Fee that it's a covert mission. Fee wants all the details when they return. Fee goes up to Tech, asks him if he's going to leave without saying goodbye. Tech says that was correct. <laughs> and he asks her if she needs a briefing, or maybe a debriefing. Hey-o, hey-o. <laughs> she tries to get his attention. She says he shouldn't run off with any pirates or smugglers. They banter for a minute. Fees says that he will see him around and walks away. Tech pauses before getting on the ship. Fee watches them take off. This this reminded me of Forrest Whitaker, or not Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> Forrest Gump getting a hand job from, from, from Jenny and like not knowing what's going on. Yeah, he she's doing all of the work here and it's it's sort of incredible how aloof he plays it. It's he's definitely leaning into his roboticism and and she just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing um 
it's it's a very tortured and satisfying conversation. Yeah. <laughs> why would you need to have my, why would you need to pull my pants down? This is highly irregular. This is <sighs> the best part about that scene in Forrest Gump is that her roommate <laughs> she's awake. <laughs> Oh man! I think I ruined your roommate's sweater. <laughs> I remember living in the dorms and like having to kick a roommate out or being kicked out. I would like leave their stuff alone. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I could talk about that shit forever. All right. So, okay, so uh, around Iriadu, there are silver cruisers and star destroyers. Shuttles are going to Tarkin's compound. Hemlock exits one of the shuttles. He's told Tarkin is waiting for him and is escorted by stormtroopers. Hemlock is led to a room with four other men, Tarkin, Krennic, Ramadi, and Coburn. Tarkin tells Hemlock that he is late and they've been waiting for him. So this is, uh, it's cool, this is a a kind of... um, a summit of like heavy hitters in um, in the empire, um, people who are up to no good as far as like being good and decent, but are major plot points. At least uh, Krennic, Tarkin, and um, Hemlock are. Right. I didn't put it in the notes, but do you know what this compound is called? No, I don't. It's called the Raven's Peak. Oh my God! Like like the eagle's <laughs> yeah. nest. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, quick history lesson: uh, Eagle's Nest is was the was Hitler's headquarters, or was that the S- SS headquarters? No, it was Hitler's. Okay. All right, so maybe I don't know so much about history if I'm like asking, but I, I knew generally what it was. Um, okay, so um, in hyperspace, Tech and Echo explain the infiltration strategy. They have a stolen clearance code. Um, Wrecker goes into the tail gun just in case. They transmit the codes and they find out they're good to go. They land outside the base and proceed by foot. Omega wants to know uh, how they are approaching. The team approaches a tower with some sort of gondola system to get to Tarkin's compound. The team decide to ride the bottom of the gondola after a sensor disruption. Tech says that he can disrupt the sensors, but they have a wide, or very, sorry. They will have a narrow window. Ricker says his fear of heights won't be a problem. So, um, yeah, so this is pretty cool. This is very, um, this makes me think of like, um, well, now, now that you've said, now that you um, told me uh, the name of it, it makes me think of something like Dirty Dozen, um, some sort of like um, World War II heist or infiltration movie, you know, instead of, Instead of something like Ocean's Eleven or something like that. Yeah, I definitely think Dirty Dozen is a better a better parallel than Ocean's Eleven um, or any movie with a different number in it. Um, this is very much this plan of theirs makes sense to get in, but we'll find out it makes no sense for them to get out. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, and doesn't need doesn't need to be mentioned, but I'll ne- mention it anyway because it makes me sound smart. That the that the uh, clearance code is definitely a callback to Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I thought so too. Except I always wonder, like, 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 uh, say, like, okay, you're you're cleared to go in. So they go in, and then they just go. Do they? They just. Is there so much traffic? They just don't give a shit. Because like, okay, these guys that we let in, they're just going off and landing, and they. I assume. I assume that there is hundreds of sorties a day in and out of any system and you'd think that they would have tighter security for a vip visit but honestly these people aren't great at their jobs and so if you've got a clearance code you get to go mm-hmm. right because they don't have time to inspect every every shuttle every ship when there's thousands of them coming and going they just need to log who's been there so they can rebuild forensically re- rebuild what happened later if they have mm-hmm. to yeah, yeah, I guess that's true, and the um, and the fact is, like, calling back to Rogue One, the Empire at this state is very arrogant, and Jin 
like Jin Nerfso says, they've they've got no reason to expect that we're coming. That that they it's un to them it's like uh, some sort of incursion is unfathomable, inconceivable. Exactly, and this is an Andor too, where he says you just walk in and take it. Mm-hmm. They couldn't imagine. They couldn't imagine someone like me is there, spitting in their food, stealing their gear. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what's happening. They they just need a code. Once you have the code, they don't care what happens because they're waiting for you to exit at that point. And they don't. They have no idea. Like from an air traffic control point of view or space traffic control point of view, they don't care. Yeah, you have the right code. If if they if they stole the code, using it improperly, that's someone else's problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 def- yeah. That's that's definitely uh, the 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 machinations of a hum- humongous uh, uh, bureaucracy that. That uh, it's definitely somebody else's problem because they've got like ten other ships waiting uh, to get in and a supervisor breathing down their neck. So it's, if it's not their job, it, they're not going to put extra effort into it. You know, as a government employee, you'd be like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't do more than you're supposed to do that just gets you in trouble. Yeah. Or in the corporate world, you do more than you're supposed to do. It gets you more work. There it is. Okay. <laughs> So, all right, so Tech swings up on the sensor platform with a grappling hook. Tech is timing the disruption with the arrival of a new car. He disables the sensor temporarily, and the command center notices immediately. The team grapple onto the car. The command center orders a full system diagnostic on the malfunction. So the team is almost there when Wrecker looks down and starts to get nervous. The gondola arrives with little issue, but the team encounters stormtroopers immediately upon arrival. At, uh, they easily overpower them. Now, oh, sorry, you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, it seems very easy for them to get into the compound, but for the most part, for the rest of the show, it's basically a shooting gallery with only a couple breaks. Um, mm-hmm. The place is heavily fortified. There's a lot of troopers in there, even some specialized troopers, we find out later. Yeah, and it's a, and a, it's a remote, the Raven's Nest, you said? It's a it's a remote area, so it's not like some some shithead could just walk off walk in off the street. It's it's hard to get there, so that's probably a layer of security that they're probably just like, mm, you know, whatever. But um, all right, so now in the tower, the summit is underway. Doctor Hemlock gives a presentation about his cloning. He reports that they are still working on the cloning problem. Tarkin complains that he's requested a lot of money. Hemlock says that he can use clones in his experiments. Hurst Ramadi says that the Senate is discussing rights and the pensions for the clones. The group debates the value of the clones. Someone asks if there is danger the clones will rebel. Tarkin says that they will put down any uprising. So I just want to talk about, like, right here, that, like, um, like Hurst Ramadi, he's saying that they, they were, that they're a great soldier that they're great soldiers and but Tarkin maybe kind of going off of his um, experience in like the Clone Wars episodes that he doesn't, he's very much a, an, uh, an order kind of guy and he, like them showing individuality and um, being their own person that he doesn't, he doesn't like that. Um, he, he um, And so it just makes you wonder like, is Tarkin just, I don't know if he's evil or just coldly efficient, like a, kind of like a psychopath? Yeah, it's, I think the way they portrayed him in Clone Wars was he is absolutely sort of an ends justify the means sort of guy. Like, he doesn't necessarily care about the soldiers or the Jedi as long as they achieve their objective. I think he was in the Ark, the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and that's where he was just like, like as long as they made it out intact, it didn't matter the casualty level, if they as long as they completed their objectives. And I think he's just super calculating like that, and he's been rewarded. I mean, Tarkin, the whole the whole novel Tarkin is about this too, about just how brutal he is in his calculation and how protective he is of himself and his station. It's really incredible. And in Catalyst, how he backstabs, Catalyst and Rogue One, how he backstabs Krennic so thoroughly. Um, 
it's just more of that same behavior. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I really like the way they flesh out Tarkin. Yeah, they, because like you said, like his family is kind of like royalty. But like in the book, for those who haven't read it, at a certain point, he's he's pretty much like a, like taken away by like a, a semi-distant family member. So maybe like his father's brother. Yeah, it was his uncle. Some, something like that. And it's like, like, okay, like now you get to learn what it's really like to be a Tarkin. And it's they basically just, it's just like living off the land and being a hunter. And just like his, they, they made a, uh, it, was that Lucino that wrote that book? That uh, he yeah, it's James Lucino. Yeah, he made a point to talk about how he had this really nice hunting vest uh, before, like going off with uh, his uncle and um, his uncle and his other hunting buddies. And his uncle is just like, yeah, that's a nice vest. It'll look a lot better with some blood on it. And it's just he just has like this brutal experience of um, kind of like this rite of passage that probably like, his father had to go through and and previous and all previous generations of uh, Tarkins and or uh, just people from Iriadu because like in the High Republic um, they the the Nihil or at least one of one of them they what would you say that they that they con or that they extort money out of like uh, like the governor of Iriadu to help save like one of their colonies on the moon yeah, but then ex- don't actually extort yeah, then don't actually help. And at the end of that book, the um, this 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 person who would actually have been a great help if the Republic or the Jedi had gotten to him first, the Iriadu Iriaduans, yeah. the, they get to him first, and they're like, like, well, they explain to him like, like we're hunter, we're, we'll find you, and so they find him first, and they're just like, yeah, you're not being captured, we're killing you. So they're just a very the, uh, the whole culture is brutal. Yeah, but also also to Tarkin specifically, um, in the book, spoiler alert for a book that came out 10 years ago plus, um, he, Tarkin ruins the Rite of Passage. Like, he makes it so no one else can ever go, go through it after him, too. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, it really underscores his character's need to win at all costs, sort of, and he destroys this cultural touch point of his own planet just so he can win it's it's really sort of incredible just how cynical and evil he is just yeah. every, everything he does like everything he touches just just is ruined yeah there's a um there's a comic arc that he's in that i've i've only read bits and pieces of it um that were just free but like you see, you see him without a they shows him without a shirt on and it just makes and he looks like he reminds me of like seeing my dad when he was younger because my dad's a very like skinny guy with but just like ropey muscles from just working on the farm, working like working with his hands his entire life. Like uh except Tarkin is like covered like from like the neck down and just like scars. Right. And he's just like he's just like he's just like you see somebody like that, you're just like they're not super bulky, but they're just like that's a scary dude. Um he's just got like no like he's he's been through the ringer multiple times and come out on top, so he's a very he's somebody you don't screw with. But at the same time, he's he doesn't seem to have much of a like any kind of heart. So like like the because going back to original like Ramadi talking about the clones, he doesn't care that what the clones did for them. He he cares about what the clones how how the, um that they weren't up to his standard I guess. Or just like we don't need them now, so fuck them. Yeah. Um, but this is this is more evidence of your of your hypothesis of what him Hemlock's doing because Hemlock explicitly states they're good they're good fodder for my experiments now. Yeah. And so he's definitely doing going the full like Nazi scientist thing on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder what what the heck that they are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You, like meetings and like bureaucratic bodies just go hand in hand, but it seems like this meeting is like this could be done, could have been done over Zoom or yeah, this know. meeting could have been an email for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then uh, Tarkin asks Krennic uh, an update about Stardust, and you hear Krennic talk a little bit, and then now Ben Middleton can now 
pay for his uh, air conditioning unit to get fixed and the radiator on his Bentley to be fixed. My only note, my only note for this is when when he says, "Can we get an update on Stardust?" The music cue changes to Jin's theme. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's it's this really like military march sort of music, and then when he says, "Can we get an update on Star Wars?" It does that Rogue One do 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 <laughs> theme, you know? Yes. Just very subtly, it's woven into the military march. That's fine. Oh, that's cool. I love that detail. All right. So uh, the Bad Batch are in the hangar, and they need to identify which shuttles hemlocks. Omega and Record stay in the hangar while the rest of them are checking on the identity of the ships. They find and identify the shuttle number, but there are several gaps in security. Uh, Tech and Hunter go to investigate Echo stays to make sure they have an exit. Uh, Back with Omega and Wrecker. uh, Oh, they have to tag the ship, so Omega hides behind some crates and makes her way to the shuttle. She places a beacon but gets pinned down. She can't get back to Wrecker without being seen. Echo activates a crane and starts swinging around a ship as a distraction. A mouse droid notices Omega and Wrecker destroys it. In the command center, they notice that there's a crane that's malfunctioning and the security system is cycling in Sector 4. Can I ask you a question at this yeah. point in the show? Um, they've mentioned the security system being off a couple times in the show, and I did not see the reveal coming at all. I thought it, I had no idea what was going on, and I love that the show is told from the point of view where the audience has no clue what's going on until until the next paragraph, basically. But but I I did not know what was going on. Did you have any suspicion about the security system? Yeah, I system? Thought, that, thought it was a setup. I thought they were being like drawn in. Yeah, I think that was probably way more likely to me than what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're about to get screwed rather than what happened, but yeah. I mean, I, I love this reveal, so let's get to it. Yeah. All right, so Tech and Hunter are investigating and notice some explosives. Tech says, that, says one explosive won't make a difference. Two stormtroopers show up, and they say have a lot more than just one. The stormtroopers remove their helmets, and it's Saw. Saw recognizes the Bad Batch and says it looks like they've made a choice. I fucking love this. I know I, know I just said this, but I think he's the perfect... I like that, I like that Saw shows up in these shows... Um, and is such a chaos agent that when he shows up, everybody's like, you need to think about what you're doing. Or like, they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's pulled off this insane um, operation, and they stumble onto it at the at the 11th hour, and they're like, you can't do this. And so I was like, yeah, I, I can. Yeah. I, in fact, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't stop me at this point. But I love it. It's so good. That, yeah. Because it, yeah. it shows that they have no shared goals, like no specific shared goals. And there's no strategy. And it's just pure chaos. And, and Saw is living in this space like Lawrence of, of, or Lawrence of Arabia, where he's just this person at the right place in the right time where he, he can just get away with this. Like, he can just get away with like taking over an army or or blowing up a, a compound and even like his allies are like you're out of control and he still keep, just keeps going it's brilliant mm-hmm. yeah i mean would, would, do you think saw is supposed to be like the star wars equivalent of like uh osama bin laden yeah you could probably pick a better guy like but yeah basically but, like he's yeah i mean he he, he was he's a freedom fighter was trained by the people he's now fighting against yeah yeah it's... Uh, and, and, every, and everything he does is just for like just destruction like, like yeah there's no um, greater strategy it's just it's just for the purposes of destroying and harming the enemy it doesn't matter like and and tech tells him he's like it doesn't matter if you kill these guys they're just they'll just be replaced by more evil people and so i was like yeah i don't care yeah i'm, I'm gonna blow this fucking thing up yeah like in the um in the book Rebel Rising, they um, um, Jin is with them when they infiltrate some like imperial party. Like, party. Yeah. And, fucking brutal. And all they do is they like just like shoot like flechettes into like the the important people 
so it's basically just shooting like big shotguns into into the crowd just just shredding and just maiming people um it yeah it's like no real goal other than just to cause chaos and death and maybe make the the empire think twice about whatever they do there's a great story from vietnam about when the North Vietnamese were getting their ammo from Russia or wherever, um, that the U.S. the U.S. intelligence community intercepted a huge shipment of weapons, like of ammunition, and so they went through and they replaced every twentieth bullet with a with an exploding bullet, um, basically a defective round that would explode in the chamber, and then they put that ammunition back into circulation with with the North Vietnamese army. Um, and the the net result is that they were afraid to pull their pull the trigger because there's a five percent chance that their gun was going to explode in their hand. Um, that's good chaos. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's some like psyops, insane, like insane chaos that works. It's strategic. This is, like you said, this is like Osama bin Laden blowing up ships in the Persian Gulf for no reason mm-hmm. other than other than to scare people. Or blowing up buildings and all of that shit. Like, it's, yeah, he's, Saw is just a terrorist. It's nothing else. And this is, you can see why they distance themselves. And they have, and Tech gives a very cogent, and reasonable argument as to why he can't do this. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. (laughs) You can't talk him out of it. Okay. Um, So Hunter asks Saw what his plan is. Saw says that he's going to level the compound with Tarkin and the others inside. Hunter says that that that, that doesn't work, that they need to know where Hemlock is working so they can save the clones. Saw says he's not calling off his attack to save a few prisoners. Saw and Tech argue about the effectiveness of Saw's plan, as you said. Saw says sacrifices need to be made. A fire breaks out in the corridor as the base is alerted to their presence. Hunter says that they have to extract themselves. Saw likewise says that they have to get out. And they're not done setting explosives, but they have to detonate what they've placed so far. In the summit, Tarkin and the group goes into lockdown as they're told the base is under attack. The Bad Batch are working their way to the train, and there are a lot of stormtroopers. The Bad Batch start the gondola and are on their way out. Saw's troopers uh, work their way to the hangar and steal a shuttle. As they leave, they detonate all the explosives. Every ship is destroyed in the hangar, including hemlocks. Summit is shaken for a large portion of the base is destroyed. Tarkin is furious, and Saw escapes. Let's pause here. There's a couple couple of cool little things. Um, When they go into lockdown... Um, a specialized stormtrooper walk into the room with like red armor. That's sort of fun. Um, so they already have different like different categories of stormtroopers at this point. And then when Saw leaves, he steals a shuttle. He doesn't steal the shuttle they tagged. So that's <laughs> I thought that might have been like a fun plot twist. Like if if they stole the shuttle that Omega had put the tracker on, but they they stole a different shuttle. And then they blow up the hangar and. Um, the shuttle they did tag uh, is completely destroyed. And so, so nice job, nice job. Saw all of that work the Bad Batch did was f- all for nothing. There, because there's no way for them to achieve their mission now. And so now it's like the Bad Batch wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, like definitely frustrating. But though I understand a Saw's point of view, is like <laughs> it, it comes down to calling dibs. <laughs> I was here first. <laughs> I'm blowing it up. So those those red um, uh, stormtroopers that you talked about, I think they're the new version of like the security clones, because the because um, all throughout like the Clone Wars and like um, and even the Bad Batch, they're um, the clones who worked like security, who were like like MPs and guards and stuff. They had like red. They kind of had red uh, armor with red highlights. So I think this is like the Stormtrooper uh, equivalent of that. I agree with that. I think that that's that's effectively what they are. I, it's great to see them, though. I 
I think it's cool to see that they're already differentiating them, and it just means that they really are phasing out, like, even the high-end clones. Mm-hmm. And they both have, not not pauldron, what do you, what do you call those things that they have, like, like Rex had on his armor? Pauldron. They, is that considered a pauldron? I always the, call it a pauldron. Because a pauldron goes over the, like, the, like the, the shoulder deltoid muscle, but then, like, you see, like, like the commanders, um, I don't know, like stormtrooper commanders will have like the the extra thing kind of hanging off the bit, the, like the big uh, thing. So it's like I don't know, even bigger pauldron. I uh, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Okay. So all right. So on the train, the bad batch is trapped. The gondola system stops after the explosion. They are all in a pod on the train tracks. And the other train cars where stormtroopers are on the system. Tech says this is going to be a problem. The end. What do you think? I thought this was a great episode. Last time we were talking about how there's basically a three-part, three-part episode or three-part season finale, and this is the middle of that three parts. Um, and no shock from me, this is peak, peak Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. It, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's like no pun in, or maybe pun intended. It's very high tension. And going into like the next episode, right? It's literally a cliffhanger, right? They're, yeah, they're trapped in this gondola train system. I, I kept trying to figure out what the hell to call this thing, but it's basically like one of those um, enclosed cars on a cable that like is in the Alps, right? It's like um, funicular. You... Yeah, funicular. Yeah, that's that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's like that, except it's. It's a little bit more, it's a little bit bigger. It's about the size of like a shipping container or a train car, and it goes fast. Yeah. I, I just looked it up. Um, it's an aerial, like aerial tramway. Um, it's like a big ski lift. Um, there, there it is. It's like a ski lift, except ski lifts are benches, and these are like enclosed cars. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So this is this is a great episode. I really enjoyed this one. Thinking about it and watching it again, think more about what's what's going on. Learning learning the fact that that thing is called the 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 Raven's Nest. Yeah, that's just that's just wild. I mean, but it's totally on brand. Raven's Peak. Um, Raven's Raven, Peak. Sorry, Raven's Peak. Yeah, that's that's that's. Yeah, like you can't get much more. I mean, they're dressed like Nazis. They act like Nazis, and one of their the the main Nazi one of the main Imperial officers' uh, headquarters is basically the same. <laughs> it's basically like modeled after uh, the Eagle's Nest. Oh, it looks it looks fucking like it too. Like, look at photos of this structure of Hitler's. It looks like this base. This is bigger. Um, probably by an order of magnitude, but the shape of the building is similar. It's, it's like it is not. They're not being subtle at all. <laughs> they're just like like yeah. Just we won't call them Nazis. We'll call them um, I don't know something that rhymes with Nazis, right? It's 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 like it's that on the nose, you know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, this is this is a wonderful episode. And then talk about. Talk about Saw and his chaos agent shit. Um, Saw had a good exit strategy. The Bad Batch weren't thinking that they were going to be running for, from like a huge attack explosion. They thought they were going to tag the ship and get the hell out of there. And maybe kill some stormtroopers, maybe stun some stormtroopers. And then they would get out of there. But, but they pretty much catch the blame from the base for this attack. And all eyes turn to them, and they can't use their planned exit strategy of sneaking out on a train car anymore. But they don't have a sec. A, they don't have a backup plan, and so they do it anyway. And we're gonna find out this does not go well for them. They're stranded now. Um, but next episode is a lot happens on this train car that leads to whatever's going to happen in season three mm-hmm. but this is a terrible terrible plan and yeah it's all Saul's fault <laughs> yeah i'm yeah I'm, I'm super happy with this one it uh it was really good it's, things are like finally coming to a head 
and just like and then just the the carefully laid plans all go to shit like their plans go to shit and even saw's plans go to shit for the most part because their plan was to to completely level the place instead of just blow some stuff up and then piss harkin off yeah and and i know i said it already but it really goes to show that why the rebellion was never going to succeed um, as like a disorganized group of cells. And why, in general, it's hard to meet any complicated objectives this way. Because Saw has his own reasons for being there, and he doesn't care who he hurts to achieve his objective, which he's vetted by no one. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just what he thinks at the time would be a good thing to, a good way to harm the Empire. And he can't see anything past that. He's like, I'm going to kill Tarkin. And Tech's right. Tech's like, that doesn't matter. Like, there's somebody under Tarkin, and that guy might be worse. So how about we be strategic about this and try to learn more about their operation as a whole and then figure out if there's a weakness here. And and so I was like, nah, I'm just going to kill him. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to kill these guys. Like, like and, and sometimes, like... Like, I feel sympathy for that point of view if I were Saw. And be like, yeah, I guess I would be. I can see why he'd want them just to suffer. Yeah, well, and the target of opportunity, too. Like, if some, you find out, like, like some like high-ranking assholes, where some high-ranking assholes are going to be. And it's not like a... It's not like a, like a dire situation, but it's just like... We could we could do this thing and get rid of and get rid of these people. That's that's a good thing because we might never get that chance again. You know, like right? Knowing... Which, which is what makes his mission sympathetic. It makes it makes total sense that you'd want to do this, right? Of course, you want to kill Rommel. Like, why not? Right? Because because maybe maybe that's enough of a blow to buy you enough time to do what you actually need to do. Mm-hmm. And and Saw is a perfect character to do this, right? He's the perfect. Because cause who cares if he dies, right? The guy's so wild, right? He's just as likely to die on one of these missions as he is to succeed at it. And so, like, yeah, it makes his, it makes his mission totally sympathetic, and it makes it make sense. The problem is obvious, though, that, that he, he has such tunnel vision about his own objectives that he can't even be reasoned with mm-hmm. in the moment when there actually is um, operational danger like he would have killed them all if it would have meant he could complete his mission. I'm convinced. Oh yeah, well he he screws over Ezra and Sabine in season three of Rebels. Right when he blows up the listing station or whatever. Um, or he was on the he was on a ship with them. I think when they discover the Kyber crystal. Oh right, that's right, the Kyber crystal one. Yeah. Yeah, so he's just all about his objectives and. If you, if your objectives line up with him, it's great. But he's going to do what he's going to do, and good luck stopping him. But he, he's also like got no one. Um, like Stila's dead. Jin is probably the the only person he probably cares about. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting character. Um, I would I would not be sad if they made um, if a they made a book or some more stuff just around him because he, he's quite fascinating, you know. Because you got the rebel, you got the rebel alliance who just they want to do things the old-fashioned way, and and then you got Saw who's just like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean they you know? bring they bring him back in in Andor. He shows up in the novelization on Solo, um, not in the movie, but in the novelization. I, I yeah, more saw please. Easy, yeah, that's mm-hmm. an easy one. More saw. Yeah. So how did he go from freedom fighter, underon to like, to kind of like the warped, half, half man, half machine, paranoid guy uh, that you meet in Rogue One. He must have got. Like, he must have been blown to bits like multiple times, been betrayed to just where he's just like, he's just so like whacked out of his mind. Yeah, I want Luthen. Maybe Luthen can betray him like he did to, <laughs> to that other guy. 
um, Krieger. But yeah, I, I yeah, more saw, please. Mm-hmm. I want to know like why, how he lost his leg, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, because I, I love, I love the fact that like <clears throat> when you first meet him, he has to like suck on like some oxygen, and he sounds exactly like Darth Vader. I thought they're going to, I guess we'll get there eventually, but I thought they're going to explain his breathing thing when they're on Geonosis and he's trying to kill that, destroy that queen, or destroy the bug that has the egg for the queen. Mm-hmm. I thought they're going to expose him to whatever they use to sterilize that planet, or try to sterilize that planet, and that would have given him the breathing difficulties, but I don't think they did. But, I don't know. Maybe they do explain it, and I'm just not remembering. But, yeah, I want I want Saw's backstory, and I like that we see little bits and pieces of him, and, yeah, this is early in the Imperial era, and he's already very plugged in, ton of resources, and has a, if not for tech, I guess, a successful assassination attempt at Tarkin. Really fascinating. Because that's not an easy, that could not have been an easy thing to do, and it would have been and I understand the resources he put toward the operation, it would have been very hard to talk him out of it, no matter what. But, still. I love the shot when the explosion is going off in the summit room. It just mm-hmm. slowly zooms in on Tarkin's face, and the whole the whole room is like shaking in like a camera-shaking sort of way. Um, Tarkin looks so fucking mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great, but he's not he's not even moving. He just looks furious. But um do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh no. I looked up trivia for this episode. Um and <clears throat> all the trivia is just about guest stars, about where they come from and how they how they fit in, the greater story. There's a little bit of stuff about how they picked the members of the summit but they had to pick members that were active in the Republic Army or around this time, and so they couldn't do, like, the whole um, Death Star conference room scene sort of thing, but that was sort of the original concept of the summit, so they, they made it a much smaller affair. But other than that, it's just all all trivia. Um, there is one interesting piece of trivia on StarWars.com about this episode, and it said that Fee calling... Um, Tech Brown Eyes is a reference to Miggs Mayfield calling Din Djarin Brown Eyes. Um, oh. When they took their, when they go undercover as stormtroopers or whatever. Never, never even considered that. Yeah, it didn't, didn't occur to me until I was reading the trivia on StarWars.com. And I was like, oh, that's sort of cool. It's sort of like a cool reference. Um, but other than that, everything else is just Ben Mendelsohn plays Krennic and um, Andy plays. Madi or Madi and and so on and so on and where they originally appeared and what Stardust means and all that stuff. So it's just a little bit of connective tissue in this episode, but not a lot of trivia. I was really excited because um, when their when their vessel gets cleared to landing, they're called Vessel One One Four Three. Missed opportunity. <laughs> Missed opportunity. It should have been One One Three Eight, right? But yeah. Um, so close, but so far. Anyway, do you want to go on to the ranking? Uh, yeah. Okay. So now's the time where we rank an episode. We use a special ranking system where we rank by Star Wars character. So a really great episode would be an original trilogy character such as Han, Luke, Leia, Darth Vader, etc. A really bad episode would be Lieutenant Cephla. Okay. He's the he's one of the commanders in the battle on Scarif, where he says they're trying to get to the master switch, and he says it's right there. I'm going to go for it, and he stands up and immediately gets shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm laughing at a character dying. <laughs> okay, so uh, Matt, what do you give this episode? Well, there's so many cameos from Rogue One. I'm only looking at Rogue One characters, and I'm just going to give it a gin. A gin? Ooh. This is this is a very important episode, and it's it's as much a Rogue One tie-in with with what they discuss and how it's working as it is to anything else. So like a Jen or an Andor, I, I can't decide, but I'll just pick Jen for this because I watched that movie recently with the kids, and it's so good. I love it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I I think I will have to go similar. 
Um, I'll give this uh, give this a Bodie Rook. Nice. Um, it, it ends bad for Bodie, but he he does what he feels is right, even though it costs it costs him his life. Bodie's death is a hard one in that movie. He dies so early in that battle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I just love the it. just where they he just like looks over, sees the grenade, and is just like oh. And what was the, what was the hardest death for you in that one in that movie? Um, I was watching it with a friend of mine in the theater the first night because um, you and I can never watch Star Wars movies together. It'd be a six-hour flight or two and from <laughs> two and from. <laughs> um, no, so I I knew when they killed so so they killed um, Chirrut and K two very early, but I think probably Bodhi or Baze's death. Oh yeah, Baze Baze for me because he he's he kills all the 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 death troopers and then just the one like. Uh, just the grenade comes. He, he's right there, and he just he just after he's just been a one man wrecking crew, he just kind of looks back at his best friend and then dies. And for yeah. me, that was just like, ugh, like a dagger to the heart. Yeah, and I think we've talked about it on the pod before, but I've referred to Rogue One as Dirty Dozen in space, mm-hmm. and even before it came out, we were talking about it, and I said I just wanted to be Dirty Dozen in space. And it's it is right. They don't get out. That's road to perdition stuff. They all die, and their deaths further further the plot. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. And I know I know like people said like oh the characters didn't have to die. Like there's ways to write it so they got out, make it believable. I'm like no no this is this is fine. It's also like. Star Wars doesn't do a lot of commentary necessarily. It's more of an allegory. Um, but Jin and and Andor on the beach together while the shockwave is approaching them is so anti-nuclear war. It's it's as obvious as calling your base the Raven's Nest. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like what did you do? Like oh you built you built a weapon of mass destruction. And your what your you you have two of these main characters you've been following for a couple hours, um, just waiting to die in a shockwave because it's a force of nature, like an atomic blast, right? And there's no opposing it. I don't know. It's just it just the end of that movie is so satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I want to watch that. I want, I want to watch the Battle of Scarif now. Uh, maybe we'll do that after this. But uh, cool. All right. So um, yeah. So um, we will be back with our final Bad Batch episode, where we uh, go over the last episode of season two, which is called. Wait, wait! Don't tell me. Eh? See what I did there? Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Plan ninety nine. All right, so uh, before we sign off, just want to thank you for listening. We're glad anybody is listening. If you can, uh, give us um, five-star or whatever the highest score ranking is on your uh, podcast aggregator. Uh, it would help us uh, get um, get more views. And, hey, possibly a, a, a – um, what do you call those people that pay you money? Um, sponsors. Sponsors or something. Yeah, so that would be cool. But if not, whatever, but just – Give us a high rank um, and um, tell a friend about us that there's a couple of guys who are talking about Star Wars cartoons. And if you think we suck, well, why don't you tell somebody that you really hate about us just because, uh, well, screw them and you can waste their time. So we'll be back with the last bit of Bad Batch. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Note as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, 
Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at moochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da